This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, welcome into the Hoist the Colors podcast. We are live. It is Monday night. And as always on Monday night at 9 o'clock, us three clowns are getting together to talk some East Carolina baseball, some college baseball. I'm Stephen Igo, joined by Scott Lorbatcher, Jonathan Wagner. This is the Hoist the Colors podcast. And guys, I've never seen uh, basically an entire weekend of baseball wrapped up in – in, in one single day, but we saw that on Saturday as East Carolina took two out of three, took the series from Tulane, and we'll get into that in a little bit. Chuck in the comments section says, are we live? Yes, Chuck, we are live. As always, drop your comments, like, and subscribe. Um, not only the Hoist the Colors page, but the 94.3 The Game page later. We'll get into that maybe a little bit, but as Scott Lorbatcher will tell you, like, comment, subscribe, and we have reached the month of May. And so if you do not comment, like, and subscribe, he will break into your house <laughs> and do it for you. So unless you want that to happen, do it yourself. You see that door behind Jonathan Wagner in the <laughs> upper right-hand corner of our screen to his left? That's going to open, and Scott's going to walk right in and take over your computer. All right, enough about that. Guys, um, what a weekend of baseball, right? Yeah, what a weekend. I think I think the best way to recap it is probably one word, just a roller coaster. It Friday was frustrating, and then the rain delay came, and heck, the rain delay may have saved our season. And then Saturday was just a roller coaster in itself. It was a frustrating weekend. I know at many points in the text thread that three of us have together, I was definitely panicking. And has that calmed down a little bit? Yes. Is it fully gone? No. I do have some serious concerns, but just a roller coaster over a weekend. But when it's all said and done, ECU came out with a series victory. That's that's what's important. And they found a way to win, and it was an ugly weekend, but they, they did what they needed to do. They didn't sweep. That's fine. They won. Two and two a week, that's fine. You want a little better, but just just a roller coaster all around. Yeah, we did. We talk between game two and three, Jonathan. When did we talk? It was a long day. Yeah, it was between two and three because you. Yeah, I think you were. Yeah, because you got food. Yeah, you walked up with some chicken right. tenders. So the old chicken tender basket with fries can't go wrong oh, yeah. with that at the ballpark. That is um, the best thing in ACU yeah. athletics. I mean, that's like the one thing you can count on from Aramark that's going to actually be good. No disrespect, Aramark. Um, 
Christian Bateman reminds us, as Scott would point out as well, excuse me, this is not hoist the colors. You haven't introduced ducks on the pond yet. So this is ducks on the pond, uh, the podcast, the unofficial name of the, the ECU baseball round table. Uh, let's go to one of those duck. He is, uh, <laughs> that was ducks, terrible. Are, ducks or bucks. Duck. It's, been a, uh, it's been quite a day. Let's go to one of those ducks. <laughs> Uh, he is Scott. Scott, what did you th- what did you make of the weekend? Well, yeah, uh, eight hours of Saturday baseball. Um, started off with with some of the highest highs, you know, a walk off win. Um, ran out in my yard and celebrated with my daughter and with the garden hose. I sent you guys that video. And we then, can confirm he actually did that. Um, uh, the Saturday game or the second game Saturday, um, was about as miserable a game as we've had in a while. Um, you know, just an eight no, couldn't really get anything going. And then another great game Saturday night. Um, it was appreciated to have those little breaks in between the games, even at home, to to catch our breath and and bounce back. But all in all, you know, I know people were disappointed in the two and two week this week. But if you look at it, you you know, you see a team that really battled. They battled on on Tuesday and in, in Raleigh in a game where they got down, they had one really bad inning and then came back and made it a game. Um, obviously didn't, didn't finish it off and, and you don't get points for, for close games, but, um, and then Friday night got to sleep, came back and battled on Saturday um, afternoon, won that game and then faced some adversity and, and ran into a buzzsaw and game two and then came back in game three and one, you know, you can't, you, we won a series, I know um, the RPI took a big hit, but everything that we want to do is still possible for us. So, you know, just a, a great Saturday. Freed up my Sunday. Got to go see the Super Mario Brothers movie. That was fun. So, you know, maybe we should play just the all-day Saturday thing more often, you know. Just I know you guys love it. Yeah, that's uh, – let's not do that again. Hard pass. Although I, w- I would trade uh, the opportunity to – Go see the Super Mario Brothers movie for that uh, second game. I guess the first of the doubleheader, but the second, fin- the second outcome on Saturday. Um, how was it? so the movie was good? Oh, I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, a lot of okay. cool references. A lot of references to like the songs and things, uh, and Donkey Kong's in there. So that's also great. All right. We'll have to do a whole video game podcast down the line. Uh, I'll definitely be down for that. Uh, controllers. <laughs> that was good. That's honestly incredible. I need to trademark that immediately. Oh, he's got one. Uh, <laughs> um, JPN1212 says Wake Forest is better than the LSU. Uh, I'm not going to go there. Uh, I've already given Wake Forest more credit than I ever thought I would. Um, who did they play this weekend? Nobody. Whereas LSU played some pretty good teams lsu lost to Nichols on tuesday and wake smoked campbell and then this weekend i think lsu swept alabama and yep. i do not know who wake played but they won all their games they played like high point and wofford or something and yeah, basically yeah that's what they did off. yeah so yeah three different games i think against three different teams interesting uh interesting week for the demon deacons um mark calloway says i can't find my keys Am I missing that reference? Am I, is there a reference there? Not that I know. Uh, all right, Mark, you may be either over ahead or you're in the wrong chat. 
Um, Either way, I wish you luck. Yeah, good luck, man. Um, Adam asks, has ECU ever finished three games in one day previously? No, I don't know if any college baseball team has. They had to basically, from what I understand, get it approved and check with the American Athletic Conference office that you could actually get three outcomes in one day. So, yeah, uh, I think it's it was unique, um, kind of a once – I guess once in a lifetime type deal just due to this weather situation. Uh, Mark Calloway says I'm stuck here. Better places right. to be stuck. Well, yeah. <laughs> Worst place to be stuck. Yeah. Sorry, Mark. Um, <laughs> I guess uh, good luck trying to find your keys and uh, don't really got much, much else for you. Chuck says, I told you guys a few weeks ago we were top 20 good, not top 10 when we were ranked in the top 10. Well, Chuck, do you want to join the Ducks on the Pond <laughs> podcast and get up here and uh, give us your opinion? Because maybe you're smarter than we are, honestly. I mean, we're pretty dumb. We're just a bunch of guys talking baseball, trying to figure out what the hell is going on. In reality, we don't really have much of a clue, but we try to figure it out. So, I don't know. I mean, I do have to agree at this point that and we're going to talk about ECU's postseason picture here in a little bit, but I do think at this point, the way ECU is playing, the way the pitching has kind of fallen off with some tired arms, the way the offense has been inconsistent, the road struggles, Scott, it does feel like this is more of a you know borderline top 20, top 25 team as it is currently. Now that could change, but just right now, the way things are trending. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think one thing I, I – tweeted about this weekend was it's not always about what your results are. It's about everybody else's results too. And there were eight teams in the top 25 that either lost their week in Campbell's case or lost series. So it's easy to say that we're not top 20 good, maybe in a normal year, right? Like in a year like last year, where I think the top 16 teams were all pretty solid. Um, but this year, I think anywhere from five or six to, to 20, those teams are kind of interchangeable and it's what you do with the rest of your season. That's going to define where you end up in the postseason. You know, you look at this, this time last year, we weren't even ranked. Um, and we went into conference championship. We ranked, uh, I think, or coming out of that, I think we were ranked 23rd or something like that. And then we were a top eight seed. So it, it's hard to say maybe we're not top 20 good in RPI, and maybe that's what the committee will use, but maybe we're top 20 good to the eye test, which, you know, D1 or perfect game is using. Um, another thing I'll point out is we've, you know, we've not been completely bit by the injury bug, but we haven't been completely clear of it either. Um, your Savage hasn't been right. Didn't pitch this weekend and wasn't right the last two weekends. Obviously, JC had his injury. Amax dealt with a wrist injury all year. Um, if we're all healthy, maybe we are top 10 good. I think we are um, with a healthy AMAC and JC and Moreland producing the way he has and, and the rotation at a hundred percent, but, and I don't think they're all at a hundred percent right now. Yeah. To me, this, uh, you know, I've said it from the beginning, this team has to be built on starting pitching and then kind of go from there. And in the last two weeks, you know, the, the starting pitching hasn't been there for a variety of reasons. And I think, there's the chance ECU could get that back. I'm not saying that can't happen, but until that happens, I don't I don't see this team as a regional host caliber team as of now. Again, maybe Groves comes out. You know, he was down velocity wise this past weekend. 
We know your Savage was. Spivey, to me, just hasn't looked quite like himself all year. Maybe last year's workload got to him a little bit. So um, we'll just continue to monitor those situations going forward. Uh, Sam Anderson, former HTC intern, says, what was the press box spread for the 21-inning marathon? We got pizza from Pizza Hut at 2.30, and that was it. That was all we got, so that's why I made my way down to get some chicken tenders and fries with some uh, some Baby Ray's barbecue sauce. So, you know, I'm not going to complain about getting free food uh, one time over 21 innings. That's a, there's a lot of a lot of places that don't even feed us at all. I didn't go to North Carolina, uh, to North Carolina State, I should say, but there was no food there. There was no food at Wichita. There was no food at God, what was it? What was another recent midweek road game? Um, maybe Charlotte. There was. There's been multiple road games in recent weeks that haven't had any food. So uh, ECU treats us right. All right, let's get back into the theme of this podcast, guys. We'll return to your questions here in a little bit. Uh, thanks as always for all your comments. As uh, Chuck adds, Guardians of the Galaxy is coming out this Friday. Excited about that. Um, but as we engage back into our baseball discussion, ECU's RPI down, what, 13 spots from a week ago, maybe 12, 14, somewhere in that range, down to 28 as of right now. Somehow ECU gained an RPI point, according to warrennolan.com. They're at 28 as of 9.14 p.m. Eastern time on May the 1st. Subjects to change. I believe uh, Texas lost today, and that pushed us up one. Okay, there you go. Why the Longhorns playing on Monday? Maybe they got nothing no better to do. They yeah. had uh, weather that pushed it back to a Saturday, Sunday, Monday. There you go. That's it's why always we, the weather. That's why we do this, because between the three of us, we can come up with the answer. Um, so here's my problem, guys. ECU... It's reflected in the polls that really they didn't have a bad week. You still won the series. You lost a tough midweek game on the road by one run in a game that could have gone either way in the end. But yet we used this RPI metric to determine who should host and who shouldn't. And ECU, by virtue of winning two out of three, dropped basically double the amount of spots they were. So down 13, 14 spots went from host range to out of host range, at least on the RPI surface. So disappointing for sure. Um, but I, I don't know, you know, what can you do other than sweep every series? That's just kind of the conference ECU's in right now, right, Scott? Yeah, you know, I think we we do our part in the out-of-conference schedule, especially midweeks, of playing some high RPI teams, playing them on the road. Um, obviously, on the weekends out-of-conference, we played all of those games at home. Um but we played a couple top 100 teams in Liberty and uh, Missouri state is actually close to 75 in the RPI now. So um, that's turning into a really good series win for us or sweep actually for us. Um, if you look at who's hosted over the last six or seven years, I don't think anybody's done it outside the top 25 in RPI. Um, and if you look at the projections, you'll see some teams that are in a, in host range that aren't even in the top 25. Um, teams like Indiana last week, they got swept by Maryland. Um, so they're probably out of it now. But 
um, them, Indiana State, as a potential host, and they're not in the top 25 because of their RPI being so high. Um, and then Duke is another one who they're finally getting credit for how difficult their schedule's been and how they played against it. Um, but they were 20th coming into the week, won in a series at Virginia, and now they're they're ranked 10th and their RPI is also in the top 10. So they look like a true host. Um, as far as us, uh, I hadn't looked at the at the Boyd's report for our RPI needs today, but um, we still have a chance at top 16. And I think if it, an ECU team, a name that um, the committee will recognize, um, a team that's not in a power conference, um, which sometimes I think can help in that 9 to 16 range, it doesn't help us get to a top eight. But I think they don't always want you know, just a bunch of SEC and ACC teams in those hosts. They want some from other conferences. Um, I think it can help us there. But if we can get inside the top 20 in RPI, I think we still have a very, very good shot at hosting, especially if we win both our regular season and the conference tournament. Jonathan, you do your projections on on three, and you've been doing that for the past few weeks. Where do you have East Carolina right now? Are they a two seed in your projection? And if so, where do you have them going? So when I looked at it, um, and obviously I pay attention to ECU more than I do anybody else, but I, right now I do have them as a two. I think I had them in the Coastal Carolina Regional, and it's it's a it's a case to where when I look at ECU's resume strictly strictly on paper, I'm not looking at oh ECU can't hit or ECU has struggled as of late on the mound. I don't look at that strictly on the numbers, RBIs, record, future schedule. I see. If you look, if you look at it on paper, ECU should dominate the end of their regular season, and if they if they do that, and I, personally, I believe ECU needs to win a lot of games over the end of the regular season and win the conference tournament to host, in my in my opinion. And but you know when you look at it, it's there's a wide range of things that can happen. And you know Scott mentioned it earlier, but in the end, it all matters what other teams do as well. ECU can handle all of its business, but if everyone in front of them right now does the same, then it might not matter. So, but I do think ECU's brand name will help. And, you know, that's something that can't be looked away from either. But, you know, I see a path to hosting. Like I said, I think if you win the regular season, you win the conference tournament, I think you're hosting. And, but also if you don't, I think we've seen some struggles, obviously, since conference play got underway. And if those continue and they maybe start reflecting in some more losses, you don't come away with a win like you did this weekend, then I also think there's a path to fall. And I think there's a path to falling out altogether. So it's just, it's a matter of what ECU does. You know, we can sit here and talk about it, but if ECU goes and wins, then they're going to be in the discussion. But if ECU goes out and loses and they lose two out of three against Cincinnati, they don't win a series against Memphis, and then they don't win a series against South Florida, then it might not matter at all. Yeah, I, th- I think a few two more, a few more two and two weeks as well. Like if you lose to UNC and then only win two out of three at Cincinnati, and then you lose to ODU or Campbell and only win two out of three in those weekend series, that's probably going to knock you out of hosting as well. They got to pick up some of these midweek wins, guys. What's interesting to me, and I don't, I feel like. I've looked at this before. You you referenced the the Boyd's World Needs Report, Sky. I looked it up. So Boyd's World has ECU 
no way of reaching the top 16 RPI threshold. And yet, Warren Nolan, <laughs> Warren Nolan's predicted results has ECU finishing 41 and 15 with what a seven RPI. So the needs report has one uh, big issue right now, and they do not have the UNC game um, included in our uh, future schedule. Well, there you go. So that's. But even then, like, is that, you know, I I don't think beating UNC brings you from 16 to 7 or or 17 to 7. So, like, does the needs report not factor in other teams losing? Is kind of the gauge I get. I think that's – I think it's – there's no, like, guaranteed way to get to top 8 or top 16. Because, to me, that's the only way ECU could jump to seven via the, you know, the Warren Nolan predicted results. And, you know, for, for those who don't know what that means, you can go to warrennolan.com, click the predicted results tab under ECU. They have ECU losing just two games, one to Memphis and one to South Florida. They have them beating Campbell, ODU, and North Carolina, and that getting them to seven. But that is also predicting every team's results. So that's predicting, like, North Carolina is going to lose a certain amount of games. Blah, 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 is going to lose a certain amount of games. Whereas I think Boyd's world is just like, all right, ECU is here. What do they have to do to make that jump if these other teams don't fall? I think is that's the only way it could work to me. But just interesting to see how different sites look at it. Like Jonathan said, the only thing that matters is ECU. If you go out and lose, you know, Tuesday and uh, or, or Wednesday and Friday night, your RPI is going to be closer to 40 than it is to the mid-20s. So, um I don't know, guys. It's just we're kind of in that no man's land. And that's the other thing I, I wanted to talk about. D1 Baseball, you listen to their podcast. They just go down the RPI, basically, to determine their host. And I'm fine with the RPI being a metric. But at what point do we not just solely rely on the RPI and look more at the eye tests and the rankings? Like To me, there's no reason... Indiana State should even be considered a host if they're not even really in the top 25 just because they have an RPI of 10 just because they're playing a bunch of road games. So I don't know. Where do y'all fall on that discussion? We'll start with uh, Scott. 100%. You know, if you look at their – so, yeah, I mean, if you look at Indiana State's record versus the top 50, it's not really good. It's actually really bad. I think they're like 2-9 and or something like that. Um, And they got swept by Northeastern, um, who is now in the top 25. But – RPI is a metric. It's it's a value and it has has some value, but there's a reason that they don't use it in basketball anymore um, because it is flawed. Um, it is heavily favored towards your road results over your total results. Um, and there are places in college baseball where being on the road matters. Um, and there's places where there's no difference between a neutral site game and a road game. And I would say for us, if we play anywhere in the state, it's almost at a minimum a neutral site game like it was in Raleigh. Um, and there's several places that we – when we played in Durham, it was a home game for ECU played in Durham. There was more – significantly more ECU fans there than Duke fans. Um, the only difference was we drove an hour and a half to get to the stadium, and they did. Um, so I think, I think RPI is flawed in that sense in college baseball. But when you have 305 teams – how do you measure up these stats and predictions and um, and all that kind of stuff? Because, you know, everybody doesn't play everybody. In fact, most of the time 
when you're comparing two teams going into the postseason, those two teams haven't played at all. Or if they have, maybe it was once on a Tuesday. And it's like that's not a true result either. Jonathan, are you – you know, when you're going through your projections, are you – I guess you kind of have to project what the committee values. And history says RPI is that. And I don't know if that, that has helped ECU in the past, it's hurt them in the past. So where do you kind of fall on this discussion as well? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think Scott said it perfectly. You know, it's a metric. It's flawed. I, th- I think everything is. I mean, everything like this is flawed. But, you know, when you look at it, obviously you can't just go one through 16, boom, they're your hosts. But, you know, there, there are some real values to it, and there are some real downsides to it. And, again, we mentioned Indiana State. It's one of those teams that, it, you know, it might not make sense if you look at the eye tests. And, personally, I'm someone who values the eye tests very much. And I care about, you know, how a team looks. It's not just how they win. It's how, it's not just did they win, it's how they win, you know? Because in the RPI, you know, if if you beat a team three to two and you're getting no hit through eight innings, it, it's going to count the same as a 19 to nothing win. You know, it, it doesn't value for that. And I think that's a part of the puzzle that is just as important, if not more important than almost anything else. So, you know, I mean, some teams are going to win all the games they play. You know, some teams are in weaker conferences. ECU is in a weaker conference. And the ACC, the SEC, they're really good baseball conferences. And I think that that's another one where it's flawed. You know, you look at a team, I think every team in the SEC is top 62 in RPI. And you look at Missouri, you look at Ole Miss, you look at um, Mississippi State, just really bad baseball teams. But, you know, they're up there in the RPI in, in comparison to other teams. And, you know, that that's the other thing. It doesn't always wait for that. You know, it has its ways to where it ties that into it. But I think it's it, it's just flawed because, you know, a team like – even a team like Georgia. A team like Georgia has been top 20, top 25 RPI for the past couple of weeks. And I don't think Georgia's a good baseball team at all. Georgia's on the bubble. I don't think Georgia's a tournament team based on the eye test. I've watched them play a few times this year. I, I don't see them as a tournament caliber team, but they're going to be in the discussion solely due to their RPI. And to me, I think it makes some sense, but at the same time, you know, I, I, like I said, I just, I value the eye test. I value, like Jason said, the comments, total body of work. It doesn't matter if you win, it matters how you win, and it matters if you do it consistently. So the RPI is good, brings some value, but I also see a lot of flaws that you have to consider. And part of that total body of work, guys, is whether you win a conference championship or not. And I think in ECU's case, you you have to find a way to at least win a share of the regular season, if not outright, and then probably win the conference tournament with where the metric is, where the RPI metric is at this time to get yourself back in the host discussion. And if that, if that isn't in the cards, that's fine. Look, ECU is not going to host every single year. Right? That's just not possible. Um, people want them to host for good reason. I want them to host so I don't have to travel. You guys want them to host so you can uh, tailgate, have fun, go to the game, watch it in person, not have to watch it on television or travel as well. So, um, But I just feel like there, there's, there's a couple metrics ECU has to – to notch to get themselves truly back into the discussion. I think they kind of go hand to hand and that's a road record and that's winning the conference championship. And yes, these midweek games are going to be crucial for the RPI, 
but they got to get their road record at least close to 500. Five and is it four and nine or five and nine now in true road games? Let's see here. Got five and nine, it looks like. Five and oh, nine. Yeah, five and nine. Oh and one, if you count neutral, so five and ten away from home, you could say. Seven road games remain at ODU in a midweek game uh, coming up in a few weeks at Cincinnati this weekend at USF to close the regular season. I, You know, where do you guys fall on that? Do they have to get back to 500? Is, is a game, you know, they could win five out of six on the road and lose to ODU still be under 500 on the road, but be in pretty good shape in the conference. So what's kind of y'all's take on that? We'll start with Scott. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there. I think in these conference roads games, you have six left. I think you need to win five um, to win the conference. Um, and then from there, the ODU game is, is kind of extra credit. Uh, and then you go to Clearwater, and if you can win four games there, you know, you get your neutral site record to four and one, and that kind of helps with your away from home record overall. So, um, yeah, I think we need to win at least five, but I, I think if we really want to host, I think six road games out of seven is kind of what we really need to do. And you're going to get more RPI credit for winning on the road. So, you know, obviously that goes hand-in-hand as well. Jonathan, do you feel like ECU has to win the regular season outright or if they tie with Houston, if they tie with Wichita? I mean, I I want to say the American credits both teams with the conference title, even though, you know, Wichita will be the top seed due to the tiebreaker. So where do you fall on? Is is it important if it's outright versus a share if the Pirates go on to win, you know, the conference tournament too? To me, I think if if ECU wins regular season outright, then they still have a chance to host without winning the conference tournament. And again, it's just gonna, it's going to depend on what ha- happens around them. If win a share, that probably means you you don't win five out of six of these road games, and you probably lose one or two more games than you want to. Um, so I think that I think if you win just a share or worse, then I I I personally believe that you have to win the conference tournament to host. You know, and again, this this is just me looking at it, and it's me looking at it, it's me looking at the RPI, it's me doing my personal projections. So I don't spend as much time looking at every team around the country as the D1 baseball guys do, the baseball America guys do, and certainly not what the committee will. But yeah, to me, it's just. Again, I think there's such a wide range of scenarios for ECU season, and it's crazy to think about with such little baseball left to be played, but it still feels like there's so much. So, I mean, to me, I I look at that ODU game on next Tuesday. I think that's a really important game. Old Dominion is, I believe, 60th right now in RPI. And, you know, 60th is 60th, but, again, it's on the road. And that is – of your road games remaining, that is your highest RPI opportunity, clearly because the American is not good. But, you know, I, I think you want to win it outright. But looking at it realistically, Wichita State and Houston, they will play each other again. That will help. Just say Wichita State wins two out of three. And, you know, ECU is going to have to sweep a series. ECU is probably going to have to sweep a couple series over the rest rest of the regular season. Probably go 3-0 and in two weekends and 2-3 and in the other. And that probably puts you in a good spot. 
But again, I think if you go two and three, if you go two and one, two and one, two and one, and say you somehow end up clinching a share with that, then to me, that might not be enough to push you over the edge. Yeah, a lot of it is going to depend on what Wichita and Houston do. Who wins that second series? Houston, I believe, won two out of three the first time around. And so we'll see what happens in, in a couple of weeks. But again, if ECU goes up and loses two out of three at Cincinnati, Cincinnati's tied with ECU for third place. So the Pirates got to take care of business up in Ohio. All right, let's get into some of these questions, guys. Uh, Christian Bateman says, what will it take for our offense to be consistent again? I'll start this one off by saying, I, you know, as it's currently constructed, I don't know if the offense is going to be consistent. I, I just feel like we've got a large enough sample size to know now if, if, it, if you're facing a good pitcher. To me, if they're facing a right-handed pitcher, specifically with a good changeup who can throw multiple pitches for strikes, pound the zone, it's tough for this lineup to consistently put together quality at bats. And conversely, if they're facing a lefty like Tolley, who's tough on a bunch of lefties, it's tough to overcome. So, I mean, yeah, that's baseball. If you got an opposing pitcher who's who's shoving, it's hard to overcome that. But I would like to see this offense find a way to maybe when a guy is rolling, I don't know if it's changing the approach. I don't know if it's changing up something, but find a way. I mean, three shutouts and a span of now seven games uh, was six going into the finale. You know, they got to find a way to get a guy in a rhythm out of that rhythm. I don't know, Scott, do you, can you put your finger on anything there? Yeah, I think one thing you look at, um, you know, JC is now starting to really hit the ball again coming off his injury, and that's a big bat in the middle of your lineup. Um, and then you had Moreland went through a stretch where he um, he was struggling for a bit. Uh, I think AMAC is currently 0 for his last 18 and like 2 for his last 29. Um, those guys just got to break out of it. Um, and, you know, we've seen them do that and hit the ball as hard as anyone in the country for weeks at a time and then cool off. So if, you know, the third game was them coming back around, obviously AMAC didn't have a, a hit in that game, but um, Moylan hit a ball over the fence and JC hit a ball over the fence and we had gone several games without a home run to that point. Um, and we start having a little more pop and power in our lineup to where you can't just pitch around guys looking for a ground ball. Like we hit in that middle game, we just hit a bunch of ground balls, right? Two people. And, um, you know, when a guy's pitching, like you said, you just got to get him out of there. And, you know, we in the third game, we fouled pitches off in a way that we did not do in the second game. Um, so, yeah, it's just getting the approach right, getting guys back healthy and seeing the ball well. J yeah. JPN says, I like Dixon Williams is two at bats in game two. Need more of him. We talked about this uh, wags in between games. We were hoping to see Dixon Williams in the starting lineup. Again, no disrespect to AMAC or whoever. The guy's got juice in his bat. I know he's young. I know he hasn't played a lot, but it, it would just be nice to see him get a start and see what happens. Yeah, I think you're you're at the point, and I, I think this can be said without mentioning specific names that you might want to take out, but I just think in general the lineup needs to be better every day and that's not calling anybody out it's just as a whole from one through nine nobody's immune from that right now i think we have to be better and i think a big difference in this team from previous ecu teams is you don't have that consistent power threat you know last year you had Braxton Worrell hit 20 homers you know the bryant packer just spencer brickhouses the alec burleson's those guys the guys who every time they stepped to the plate they were a threat to hit it over the wall 
Connor Norby's, you know, those kind of guys. You don't have that. And that's fine sometimes. And for a lot of the season, that was fine. And now I think you're starting to see it catch up a little bit. And Dixon Williams, he's an obvious candidate, I think. And this weekend you saw why. He put two charges into the balls as deep as you could hit it, just straight away center field. Warning track both times. I thought both of them were gone. And, you know, just didn't get it. But he showed you what he's capable of. And and consider that, too. Those are two cold at-bats. That was a pinch hit in the middle of the game on a long day. And already a long day. And there was still a whole other game to play. And he came in and did that. And I think that's what made it so much more impressive in a, in a game where nobody in ECU's lineup could do anything. You know, Dixon Williams comes, up, comes off the bench, gives you a spark, even though he doesn't, you know, actually get a hit to reflect that. But, you know, to me, I look at the lineup and it's as a whole, and I'm going back to a general basis here, but I, I ran some numbers today. Um, Johnny Robertson, I haven't seen him in a chat today. but Johnny, he, where are you at, bro? You kind of expired me, my man, because I was I was at work today and I was just, you know, I was looking I was just looking back a little bit looking. I, I keep scorebook for every game and I was looking at some of the averages that our guys had this weekend. And I was like, you know, that's not as bad as you would think it would be. You know, Starling hit 500. And this is my math. Math wasn't always my first subject. But Joey Barini hit 300 this week. Luke Nowak hit 300 this week. And then he had a couple of guys in the 250 to 260 range. So, you know, you might want to see a little more one through nine, but in the end, when you look at some of the frustrations, I think this weekend, that's, it could be a lot worse. But so then I'm like, all right, well, if that's not bad, I was so frustrated this weekend. I'm like, what's the deal? And so I said, it must've been a lack of timely hitting. So I went through every game. I went through every at bat, every inning. And I came up and I, ECU struck, ECU struck out a lot this weekend. And not only did they strike out a lot this weekend, but they struck out a lot in timely situations. So by my count, once again, math was not my first subject, but I did my best here. But this weekend and this, no, actually this is week. This includes the NC State game as well. And ECU struck out 11 times swinging with at least one man on base. And seven of those 11 opportunities were with runners, at least one runner in scoring position. That's a lot. But then I think the most frustrating part is I continued and you had six looking strikeouts with at least one man on base, and five of those six were with at least one man in scoring position. And to me, that's the frustrating part. It's the non-competitive at-bats. And even if you foul 100 pitches off, you make a pitcher throw 10 innings, if you strike out looking, who cares? If you're not going to put a ball in play and make a defense, make a play. And we've seen that with our defense, and we've seen that with our offense. You know, you put a ball in play, you never know what's going to happen especially when you have men on and you're struggling to score runs and you might not have that pop in, in your lineup, you got to put the ball in play. And that's what this team has struggled with at times this year. And I know I'm going on a bit of a rant, but I just think as a whole, one through nine, and again, not, not one person is excluded from this. Every single person in this lineup has struggled with this at one point. You know, Jacob Starling was a hero this week. He's struggled over the past couple of weeks. Josh Moylan was the hero for a couple of weeks. He's struggled a little bit. Alec Makarevich, we're talking about him, you know, he hit 0 for, 0 for 12 this week. And, you know, two weeks ago, he went on a streak where he was in like 800 on the week. So, you know, he, everyone's capable of stepping up to be the guy, but we need them to do it consistently. And again, that's one through nine. And as a whole, whether it's the approach, whether it's just the ex- execution, something has to get better or this team's top end potential is not going to be reached. 
We need to start to come up with a sponsor for the Wags rant. <laughs> uh, Wags rant of the week. Somehow we went from Dixon Williams getting two ABs to, to, <laughs> to all your stats and ending with uh, the team needs to be more consistent, which, look, you can tie it all back together. So I'm I'm all for it, man. Hey, well done. Well done. It was building up. It was building up. I had to let it out, you know? Yeah. I mean, we've gone 39 up, minutes. If you, Yeah. If you looked up that many stats, then you deserve to have a little bit of time to rant. <laughs> um, Dave brings up an interesting point. He says the loss to NC State was encouraging after the sweep by Wichita State and that we came back from 5 nothing and did not fold. Will we look back on that as a real turnaround from our mini slump that otherwise could have been a disaster if we had lost 10 nothing, for example? Um, you know, I will say I thought the game was heading towards disaster at, at early on. Scott, you were there. You know, what sense did you get from – Maybe the team starting to believe a little bit during that comeback. I really thought once Nowak got that hit to cut it to one, they were going to win. It just didn't work out. Yeah, I don't think we gave up a, a hit after the third inning when we gave up five runs, um, which was pretty impressive. Um, considering through the first three innings, it felt like we really were struggling to get anyone out. Um, and then, yeah, as the team came back, it, it really felt like we were going to win. Um, I've been going to that game in Raleigh with my father-in-law since um, I graduated college, even when my wife, my now wife and I were boyfriend and girlfriend. I have yet to go with him and see us win in Raleigh, so that would be real fun if we could make that happen. But um, I thought this was the year, especially when we got um, a runner to second in the ninth inning um, and where we were at in our lineup. Uh, unfortunately, just didn't work out. Um we just caught a bad break too. You know, in the bottom of the eighth, that ball hits Starling's bat on a pitch, you know, a foot and a half inside on his hands. And then he ends up getting out, you know, like it just, it feels like we're a little snake bit there and it's just really unfortunate. Um, also really cool game to go to, um, you know, with the strikeout ALS stuff, I think it's, it would be nice to give NC state a shout out for, for doing that and incorporating that game with us. Um, and being able to, to wear their Chris Combs jerseys, I got to hear some some Chris Combs stories from my, my father-in-law, us get to wear the LeClaire jerseys. So, you know, definitely a great game to battle back. I would feel more that it turned us around had we not lost eight to nothing in that second game to Tulane. Um, and then I would argue that that third Tulane game, um, playing the way that we did and, and kind of coming back and, and um you know, starting to hit the ball over the fence a little bit may be the turnaround for us. Um, but, yeah, I think at this point, I, I don't know if I could say it's, it's the real turnaround we lost 8 to nothing four days later, but maybe it's the start of something. Maybe I'm wrong. I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I thought the real turnaround was when they won the lightning strike game and they immediately lost 8 to nothing. So maybe the real turnaround's never coming. <laughs> maybe that's not yet happened. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, I guess it's too like it's baseball. Like maybe you can turn it around and just at the same time just get owned by a pitcher who's in a groove. I don't know. I mean, who knows? All right. No, we already did this one. Where's the other question, Sam, that you asked? You asked another good question. I'm trying to find it here. Here we go. All right. If ECU does not host, what regional would be the preferred destination? This is a good one. This is a real good one. Um, you know, I could go 
Yeah, I could go easy here. I could say, give me Duke. Let ECU fans take over their stadium. You know, give me Coastal. Let me enjoy a weekend at the beach. But I'll tell you what, give me Fake Forest. Give me the Demon Deacons. I know they're damn good. I don't care. ECU has the culture. They've got the fan base. They've got the belief to go in there and win a Winston-Salem Regional. In reality, I think Wake Forest is a much better team, but I'm just I'm going to continue with the theme of the season. This is the season of ECU versus Wake Forest. It's going to happen at some point, and that's my choice. What about you guys? Well, yeah. I have one issue Sorry, with uh, Wake Forest, and that's the playing surface is turf, and uh, I want to stay away from that as much as possible. Um, we're just a hey, we're using all the road AAC games as practice for that regional. But we should yeah we should be prepared right. Um, and I definitely think we would take over that stadium. That would be that would be really fun. I know a lot of people have said Duke. The issue with Duke is the Durham Bulls have a home series and regional weekend, so we would not be playing it in Durham or at least at the DBAP. Um, so if it's at um, whatever Coombs Combs whatever that name of that field no. is. You would have to. I don't even know if they have enough seats where we would all, all die. be able to go. So um, that would be unfortunate. I think Coastal is is the correct answer. Um, Coastal doesn't have the pitching depth. Um, they play in a park that the ball kind of flies out of, and Coastal would likely be a top eight, and I think that would increase our chances of maybe being able to host a super if we do come out of it. Say Coastal six, and then you're matched up with the eleven seed. Maybe the 11 seed loses, and then we're at home the next round. Wags? Yeah, I think it, it really just depends on, you know, what what are you looking at when, when you mean preferred? Are you looking at, you know, let's a, a place that's nice and close? You know, I think there's a couple candidates, obviously. But in my projection today, I did have ECU in the Coastal Carolina Regional, and I had Coastal as a seven seed. And I had them paired as with the 10 seed Duke. And funnily enough, it set up for an interesting rematch in Super Regionals. And I had Texas in that Duke Regional as well. So give me Texas back in Clark LeClaire and Supers. But, you know, I, I just think Coastal Carolina, I agree with Scott. I think that's probably the – it might be the most winnable, I think, when you look at pitching depth at Coastal – I also think Duke is very beatable. I know Duke's on a heater right now, and they're red hot, one of the best teams in baseball, college baseball right now. But I'm also not convinced Duke, when it comes to a regional setting, I don't think they have the pitching. I really don't. And I, I want nothing to do with Wake Forest when you're strictly looking at baseball, at the turf field too. I don't want anything to do with that. I think Wake Forest is a much better team. I don't want South Carolina. I think South Carolina, their offense is just way too good. I think – I just I think South South Carolina is going to have a field day against any pitcher, so I, that's that terrifies me. And you look at other schools, you know, I think a Virginia could still host, probably a lower end host, and I could see that one working out well. That would be a fun one. I think Virginia's a good team, but I always enjoy playing Virginia. And you know, you could go a little further south, like a, a Miami type of school, uh, if they get back into the hosting range of Clemson, if they get into the hosting range, I think Clemson, if Clemson hosts, I think that's your preferred destination just purely because I think you win, you can win that and you have a pretty good shot, but yeah, it just depends on what you're looking at, but you know, coastal Virginia, I think Virginia would be a really intriguing one. 
But yeah, it's, there's a lot of possibilities. That's for sure. A lot of regional teams in the region. Um, say that 10 times fast. Um, here we go with our comment section. Something crazy is happening. Some, some dude named the way he drew it up is just, what are the chances that the way he drew it up and Lucy Jones are the same person? Forty-five to fifty. Forty-five <laughs> percent. Um, the way he drew it up think, says says coastal. How do you think he prefers, feel about it, Clemson regional. He would not like it because <laughs> he doesn't like playing his friends. But I would like it for the storylines. Um. Yeah, if Clemson goes from like not even being in the tournament two weeks ago to hosting, like it's just crazy, man. It shows you how much things can change. Coastal is the way he drew it up. That's what he prefers. He says their ballpark is so small, we could hit homers with just flyouts that would occur at any other park. Well, yeah, that's good and bad because they can do the same thing. Um, the way he drew it up says his dog's name is Lucy. Lucy Jones says there's a 0% chance. Uh, the way he drew it up, slash Lucy Jones says, I think we perform well in hostile environments. It's the flat, no crowd games that are our kryptonite. Um, yeah, so, I mean, there there was a time ECU played a regional at Coastal, like in 08-09, just got destroyed. That was a really good Coastal team, though. Um, but who knows? I mean, I, the, the one thing is, I think ECU's got the pitching to go win a regional, it's just on the road. You probably have to win a regional in three games. It's hard to come out of the loser's bracket away from home, but I, I think it's certainly doable if this team can get back to, you know, playing the way it, it has been playing uh, at times this year. All right, let's get back to some more of these questions before we wrap it up and get out of here. Um, any word on who starts Wednesday, JP asked. So no word yet, but – are you guys thinking Garrett Saylor has to get the ball here? Or at I, least be I, a strong candidate. I think that has to be the the option. I think at this point, um, you know, there's probably a little uncertainty regarding Trey Savage and his availability for the immediate future. So, you know, j- this is just me assuming he's not pitching again this upcoming weekend. Personally, I would not pitch him. So, to me, that means that Zach Root probably starts again on Sunday, and realistically. That being said, you probably want Jay Connor available on the weekends too. And not that it's a Wednesday game, he still could bounce back. But to start, I, I think I'd go Sailor. And when you look at Sailor, since he came back from injury, he's been pretty lights out. He's been the Garrett Sailor we expected coming into the year. So I do I, I do expect Garrett Sailor to get the start. I, I don't know that for sure, but I, I would personally be surprised if it wasn't him. Um, somebody asked, what's the latest on you, Savage? No update yet. I'll have Cliff Goblin on, uh, hoist the colors on 94.3, the game tomorrow. I will ask him, uh, check that out. 12 noon Eastern on 94.3, the game, Facebook, YouTube, etc. Um, Lucy Jones asked what happened between Starlin and Cliff this weekend. Did something happen? Is it, am I? Did you did you see anything of the game wags between Starlin and Cliff? No, I did not. I wasn't there at the end of the the end of the rain delay, and I was late to the second game. But no, I, I think have no idea. Game two, Starlin got out, and Cliff just pulled him from the game to rest him. That's like, right. Yeah, 
So I don't know if like they just exchanged words there or what, but he, I think he was just he pulled pretty much every starter right. at that game. So I, I I don't think there's anything there. Um, we talked about this a lot too, Dave. He says, should we consider giving Amac a break for a couple games like we did for Hoover earlier in the season? I say yes, but uh, that has not happened yet. We did see Amac get pinch hit for guys a couple times. Cam Clonch had the huge pinch hit in that comeback win in game one. And was it the second game he got pinch hit for as well? Um, he got pinch hit in the game in Raleigh. He got pinch hit for in the middle mm-hmm. game for sure because Dixon yeah. Williams had two at-bats. And the first game, launch of the hit. Right. So, yeah, so, I mean, I think with him struggling at the plate – you know, I think you, you try and get – and Clonch, too, is just – Clonch continues to, to come through. Where's the Clonch show at? <laughs> it's right here. Yeah, it's always I, ready. I mean, it would be nice to see my man in the lineup. Yeah. I agree. But, hey, I got Cliff coming on my show tomorrow, so I'm not going to say too much more. I don't want to get pissed <laughs> off. And... First question, why is Clonch not starting? Where is Clonch? <laughs> We need some more Clonch launches. Have you not seen the Clonch show on the Horse Color Podcast, Cliff? <laughs> oh, man. All right. Um, let me scroll past these comments here. Uh, Lucy. Lucy's name is Drew. Lucy got that dog in her. Um, Brandon Carr says, I got missed the show today, but got you tomorrow and get a background. Your hair blends in too well with the wall color. Uh, I do have a background. I have the Hoist the Colors 94.3 background. I just got to set it, so we'll fix that. Uh, he also says, Scott, as always, great shirt. What's your shirt? Yeah, a little, little Bill Elliott shirt today. Nice, nice. Bill Elliott, wow. Big NASCAR guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And he says, uh, Wags, no Carolina shirt tonight, I see. Never have worn a Carolina shirt on this podcast, never will. Carolina Hurricanes that one week, don't you forget that. Hey, shout out to the Seattle Kraken, baby. I saw that retweet today. Yeah. Yeah. Full in on Seattle. I'm I'm all in on the bandwagon. I got to release the Kraken shirt when they were an expansion team. They were awful last year, but this year, a lot of fun in Climate Pledge Arena. I can't even say it. It's been a long day. Get your Holton Aylers Seahawks jersey. Queued up yet? Yeah. And yeah. I can't believe Aylers and CJ are still going to the same team. Um, Christian Bateman says just Savage will be ready to go this weekend, dear analyst. All right. Well, thanks, Christian. Thank you, <laughs> breaking, analyst. Breaking news. Um, Second question to Cliff. Yeah. <laughs> we'll ask him that too. So I'll say, according to Christian Bateman, Trey Savage <laughs> is available this weekend. Can you confirm? Uh, all right. Thank you, Jonathan Scott and Stevens. Mark Calloway says, uh, Lucy Jones says about Starlin, they had a heated exchange and then suddenly Moreland was at third. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I missed it. So I'm not going to comment on it because I don't, uh, I don't want to bring any attention to it. If it's nothing. Um, maybe we'll ask Cliff about that tomorrow too. <laughs> we'll just hit him with Clanch, uh, heated exchange with Starling and, uh, Christian Bateman's comment. Uh, Little do we know, Cliff Godwin's probably watching the podcast right now saying, all these fools. 
<laughs> he says, stay it up on that pirate radio, my guy. <laughs> Cliff Goblin wasn't on pirate radio today. Jeff Palumbo was. I listened to the interview, and he said he's trending in the right direction. There was no hill, hill pitch. So, Where you at, Christian? Guess, maybe, you got, maybe you got more information than I do. Who knows? I'll tell you. We'll find out on Friday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. We'll find yeah, out tomorrow. Ninety-four-three, the game. Tune in, <laughs> twelve noon. All right, I'm going to stop now. Um, there, here's another comment. He says, uh, "I heard there was a contention plan that would send Moreland to third and Quanch coming in to play first. Any truth to that from anything you've heard? Hmm. No, I haven't heard that. Wasn't Other that what than, happened on? Yeah, game. it happened well, in the in the blowout game, but I don't think that's going to be a realistic long term solution. All right, Christian says Josh Groves said Trey is good for this weekend. All right, I can accept that answer, Christian. I didn't hear the players' lounge, and good for Josh for telling the truth. Although I would be tempted to give Trey another weekend, just me. I would if I would, yeah. yeah. But if he feels good, we'll let him go. All right, let's let's wrap this up, guys. Um, big week ahead, UNC on Wednesday at 5 o'clock. I said 6 earlier, but it's 5 o'clock uh, for whatever reason. And that's a big game. ECU trying to sweep the three-game season series. We've also got at Cincinnati in the rematch of the best uh, American Athletic Conference baseball rivalry. ECU-Cincinnati. Scott is making the trip. Uh, to see his beloved Bearcats, and he's going to stop over at Great American Ballpark and uh, try to bring back. Who's the announcer who made the? Oh, uh, Tom <laughs> Brenneman. Yeah, Tom Brenneman. Go visit our boy Tom. Uh, see how he's doing. See if he's hanging in there. Not well. <laughs> All right, prediction. We wrap it up every week with predictions and. Um, Last week, I predicted that EC would lose NC State and then win every single game from there. I was wrong. This week, I'm going to go. I'm going to four and zero. I feel four and zero. I feel like ECU is going to win a competitive, hard fought, intense game on Wednesday, and then go to Cincinnati, have to scrap out Friday and Saturday, and then pull away on Sunday due to the pitching depth of Cincinnati lacking um so i'm gonna go four and oh we'll go to scott next we'll go three and one um i just think we win i think the unc game could go either way and then i think the the middle game against cincinnati could likely go either way um but i think we're motivated to win up there and i think the most likely scenario is we drop a close one to unc and then and then sweep cincinnati but I could also see that being flipped to where we beat UNC and then drop a close one to Cincinnati. Um, do have a little extra motivation with us playing them for the last time in a conference series. So send them off to the Big 12 with with a, a little – we uh, swept them earlier this year, right? So yep. 0-6 versus us one last time. I think they would enjoy that. So 3-1, but hoping for 4-0. Three and one would be a great week anyway you slice it. I'm getting greedy with four and oh. Uh Wags, we'll, we'll do your 
Let's hear your game prediction first, and then we'll hit your uh, your bonus prediction. All right. Well, I I was going to pick this as far I heard you guys, but I am going to be the pessimist of the bunch, and I am going two and two. I think that ECU will beat Carolina, and I do think it's interesting you know, looking at Carolina. They don't play a weekend series this week. This week. They play, I believe, Campbell on Tuesday, and then it's us on Wednesday. So it's it's interesting to see, you know, try to predict who they're going to pitch. And, you know, on Wednesday against us, you know, Connor Bovair, their Friday night, now their Friday night, is they've shoved up the rotation, but he's been pretty good, and he was good against us. But 90-something pitches on Friday, does he bounce back, maybe throw an inning if they need him to? Who knows? So it's really – I'll be interested to see how they play it. I wouldn't be surprised to see Max Carlson pitch again for them but regardless i think ecu is going to win it's at home it's a big game nc in-state game and it's a big game so i think ecu wins big and um josh i will be rooting for ecu because i am not a carolina fan so (laughs) (laughs) but so i think ecu wins against carolina and i mean this in the best way possible like no disrespect to the team but i have no reason to believe that this team can win a series on the road right now. And I don't think they can. So I hope they're listening to this. I'm their fuel this week, but I don't believe they can win a series at Cincinnati right now. Just just simply because of the road struggles and the offensive inconsistencies, I don't see it. So I'm going to go two and two, but and this will tie into my bonus prediction, but I do think the win will be a, a good one. And ECU has not won a road series this year, right? Not. It's kind of hard to believe. All right, so let's hear your uh, your bonus prediction. You were you were pretty far off on last week, right? You said there would be thirteen different. Yeah, I think position players it was, in the starting lineup. Two weeks ago, it was ten position players in the starting lineup, and then it was up to eleven last the week before last, and. I'm like, yeah, you know, JJC's healthy again. We're going to see some shakeups. And going into Saturday, I was like, gosh, we're going to see three baseball games finish today. There's no way I'm wrong. And I'm like, they're going to shake up everything in that last game. And they did not. So I believe it was 10. I think it was the same lineup all week. They shuffled around the order, except for Ryan McChrystal caught the second game. So I was wrong. I'll eat it for that one. But for this week, uh, I'm going to go back to an individual player and prediction on performance and i'm looking at a starting pitcher who i think is is due for a bounce back you know again we don't we don't know if um trey savage will pitch officially you know josh gross said it but we'll, we'll see either way carter spivey but to me i'm looking at josh gross and josh gross is a guy i think he's struggled a little bit over the past couple of weekends a little bit with command but you know he's been hit a little bit harder but I think Josh Gross, whether he's pitching on Saturday or Sunday, I, I just have a feeling that he's going to bounce back. And against Cincinnati the first time this year, he threw 73 pitches, four and two-thirds, seven strikeouts, four walks, three hits, three runs. So I think Josh Gross is going to bounce back this week. He's going to give you six innings of one-run ball. Simple, six innings, one-run ball, I think – that would, that would be a major improvement based on what he's been the past couple of weeks. So that's what I'm going to go with. Nice and simple. Simple this week. I'm not overthinking it this time. Yeah, when you swing and miss a couple of times, you got to 
shorten up, get to your two strike approach. So uh, <laughs> this is uh, this is more this is more doable, right? Yeah, absolutely. I hope so. <laughs> um, Cincinnati can always hit, so it's definitely not a slam dunk. All right, guys, this has been fun, and um, you know, comments continue to roll in the way he drew it up. I still believe that he's a hundred percent Lucy Jones, but uh. <laughs> <laughs> that name i just i can't buy it um but i appreciate it guys on the comment section great stuff as always it feels like this was one of our more interactive uh episodes as far as comments especially even without our good buddy skull pirate uh filling up the comment section maybe he'll be back next week but uh scott jonathan this was fun and we'll continue to evaluate the postseason picture especially in the coming weeks Look for this trio to make an appearance on the Hoist the Colors radio show in the coming weeks as we get more towards conference tournaments and seedings and projections. We want to uh, highlight the podcast on the show, but we'll continue to roll strong every Monday night with the Ducks on the Pond uh, podcast as well. And so we appreciate it, guys. For Scott, for Jonathan, I'm Stephen Igo. This has been Hoist the Colors. We will talk to you next week.